Welcome, friends, to the Generations Radio Broadcast. Kevin Swanson, your host with you. Steve Vaughn, also on this edition of the program. And we're going to review the elections one more time, the 2022 elections. Very interesting stuff. A few more takeaways today. The good news, and I'd say this is reason for Thanksgiving, given the reason for the season. This, I think, to be the only positive in the 2022 elections, which was the only real positive in the 2020 elections, affecting the governor election in Virginia. But uh, education freedom was a big winner on Election Day 2022. That's something. I mean, that's something to write home about. That's that's something to be thankful for. It's the only conservative win happening in America right now, as far as I can tell. There's a, there were a few you know Republican breakthroughs, but abortion was a loser uh, as far as the pro-life position was concerned. I'm talking Montana. I'm talking California, Michigan, the Kentucky law. Wow. Uh, bad, bad news for abortion, bad, bad, bad news for uh, the pro-life position, bad news for for Trump, bad news for Pennsylvania, <laughs> bad news for the U.S. Senate. They lost at least one seat, maybe two. At least the Republicans did. So it was just bad news all around, except for education freedom. Wow. The American Federation for the Children, it's an organization about education freedom for parents. American Federation for Children targeted 40 incumbent state legislators who opposed school choice, and they made progress with that. It was the best investment of the group's $9 million. Moms for Liberty secured a majority on the local school board in Charleston, South Carolina. The leftists were unable to repeal Arizona's school choice law through a ballot referendum. So, hey, significant wins for education freedom. And that, of course, was the reason why the Republican won the Virginia. Uh, gubernatorial race back in 2020 same issue so friends good news and i I think god is going before us on this the pro-aborts are making progress the ungodly are quite successful at killing their own children in this country and there's very little that can really put push them back from this except maybe six or seven states that are slowing it down except for the kill pill by mail program I know we're saying there's less surgical abortions happening in America today, but that's been the way it's been going for quite some time. Thanks to the IUD, thanks to the Plan B pill, thanks to the uh, the kill pill by mail program, RU46 and the other forms. So abortion is making big time progress in this country. There's more killing of kids by a factor of 10 than there was in the 1990s. Abortion is making big-time progress in this country, and socialism making progress. The pink wave making progress all across South America, Australia, America, Canada, etc., Mexico. These nations have moved left. They've moved socialist. It's the pink wave, in some cases the red wave. Brazil is a lost cause right now, thanks to the rise of humanism and socialism, dominating almost every nation in the world today. Uh, I can't think of a nation that set a good trajectory in the last four years. It's been bad news for freedom, bad news for anybody who wants something of a breather from the controls of big government, anybody who likes free enterprise. It's all bad news, bad news, bad news, and more bad news. But by God's grace, one island of freedom remains, and that happens to be education uh, freedom for, uh, for families. Families are able to make some school choice. And Arizona was unable to to back down off the uh, 
pro-education choice uh, options that are available for that state. And so there's something of a breaking of the back of the monopoly of public education across this country. And some of it came, of course, through COVID-19, thankfully. Some of it came through the fear among the socialists to open up the schools. And thus you had millions moving back into private and, uh, and home schools. Well, by God's grace, one island of freedom remains, and for some reason, God is still carving out this island of freedom for Christian families who wish to homeschool and exempt themselves from the transgendered amoralism of the socialist indoctrination centers across this country. So praise God for the islands of freedom, Steve. It's still still happening. It's still uh, alive and well, and it's about the only thing left when it comes to the cause of freedom in this country. It, it kind of reminds me of the. Uh, I, I'm reading through the Bible again. Start, I'm into Deuteronomy right now, and one of the things that this all reminds me of is the the first time that the children of Israel came to the doorstep of the promised land, and the parents were saying, "No, we don't want to. We don't want to fight. We don't want to go in." And so they that generation dies off. The next generation, the younger people who are uh, they're the ones who took that mantle. They're the ones who took that stand. And I, I was talking to one of the leaders of the Republican Party here in Colorado, and she said that when they went back and looked at how people were voting, the 18 to 24-year-olds were voting more on the conservative side, and they're voting more for life and voting more for those. And, and so it might be this next generation. If we're given you know the education and school choice, then it might be this next generation that starts to turn things around. But ultimately, God is in control. God's the one who will turn things around using his people, but that might be what we're looking at. Freedom hanging by just a thread, but of course that thread is ordained by God, and it's by God's grace, by his mercy, that there's been islands of freedom established, especially for home schools. It seems that the LGBT agenda will be imposed strongly upon public schools, probably private schools too, given the fact that the Republicans are moving more and more in favor of the Disrespect of Marriage Act. But uh Parental rights for those families whose children attend public schools has diminished, been diminished greatly over the last 20 years, beginning with the Brown and Mozart cases. Uh, public schooling parents lost ground in controlling any aspect of the children's education in the public schools. Fields v. Palmdale, the Ninth Circuit, also clearly ruled against parents who wanted to exempt their primary school children on an explicit sex survey. The justices ruled that once parents make the choice— as to which school their children will attend, their fundamental right to control the education of their children is at the least substantially diminished. But that does not happen in the area of homeschooling. If parents choose to homeschool, parents retain the right to make every decision in relation to their children's education. And for the last 20 years, I've worked with Christian Home Educators of Colorado, man. We've seen over and over again homeschooling consistently exempted in so many legislative battles at the Capitol in relation to the health care, in relation to vaccines, in relation to uh, education choices and such. So these are good news. There is an island of freedom that has been defended for 30 years, 40 years, at least for homeschoolers, but uh, not so much for parents who check their kids into public schools, but parents who want to fight tooth and nail for parental rights for their children's education in the realm of private education, the realm of homeschooling, have gained serious ground over the last 20 to 30 years. There is an island of freedom. Praise God. We're going to talk more about the Trump question next on Generation. Stay with us.
You know, busyness has a way of creeping into our lives. As dads, it can leave us longing for moments of one-on-one time with our sons to simply talk. And those moments can be tough to come by. I get it. That's one of our top goals for our annual summer father-son retreat in the Colorado mountains. To provide quality time for you to connect with your son, can you think of anything more important for your schedule next year? If you are looking for an opportunity to bond, to really bond with your son, then join me, Kevin Swanson, and hundreds of other fathers and sons from across the country next August. But be sure to register soon because we max out the camp every year and we're already filling up. Go to coloradofatherson.com today and choose one of the two weekends available before they are full. Lord willing, I will be there and it will be a great opportunity to meet you and your son. This is your chance to secure the lowest price for this event. So go to coloradofatherson.com and register today. And we're back on the Generations Broadcast. Kevin Swanson with you, Steve Vaughn also. And this is an interesting article that reviews the results of the 2022 elections. And I, I think it's worth discussing. Now, again, not, not that we are all about politics, but it does bring up some interesting questions in relation to how we think about ethics, how we think about God's law, how God's word applies to every area of life and equips the man of God for every good work. So the Washington Examiner compares Rob Portman to Donald Trump, more or less. There's a couple articles. They like Rob Portman. They apparently do not like Donald Trump. Here's the article. Time for Trump to go. He's a drag on Republican morally and electorally. So he's a drag on Republicans morally and electorally. Why, though, is the morality of Senator Rob Portman better than the morality of President Donald Trump? That's the question that I'm asking in relation to this leading conservative magazine called Washington Examiner. And I think Washington Examiner sort of represents the heart of conservatism and the Republican form of conservatism in this country. That's why I think the article is important. Time for Trump to go. He's a drag on Republicans morally and electorally. So the first thing you need to know is Rob Portman is pro-same-sex marriage, and he has been for a very long time since Obergefell or before Obergefell. Rob Portman is very much pro-homosexual. Rob Portman has co-sponsored the Marriage Equality Act. It's a very bad piece of legislation. It, it will, will persecute Christians, guaranteed. So you get the Marriage Equality Act through, you're done with Christian colleges. They're gone. You're, you're done with Christian churches, perhaps. At least those that refuse to officiate homosexual marriage. Rob Portman is very much pro-persecuting Christians. Rob Portman, as a Republican from Ohio, very much in support of homosexuality. He opposed a 15-week abortion ban. Now, but according to the Washington Examiner, this article, Time for Trump to Go, Donald Trump made us worse. He, he made us believe in conspiracies. Okay, so, and, and believing in conspiracies makes us worse. It makes us a suspecting people, uh, a people that is more disunified than ever before. So Donald Trump has made us worse. He made us believe in conspiracies. Also, Donald Trump paid hush money to a porn star to cover up one of his more recent affairs and his very earliest voter base in the GOP nomination battle in 2016 was made of Christians who did not have a church community and did not attend church regularly. Now, some of those facts are interesting and they're important. And not to be dismissed. I get that. I think we should be very, very careful 
to assess these things. And as Christians, we ought to be very, very careful in terms of our endorsement of Donald Trump. Now, I think it's been my desire, my hope, that Donald Trump has repented. And there has been an increasing level of humility or the fear of God in this man. We've sort of been watching out for that over the years. I think there's been something of a hopefulness in myself. Love hopes all things, so we're hopeful. But again, love's not an idiot. You know, I like to say love hopes all things, but love's not an idiot. You know, we don't deny reality either. So basically, the Washington Examiner article says Trump was all show, no blow. No reference to his Supreme Court appointees as far as I could tell. But but the bottom line with the Washington Examiner, and that is the conservatives in America, those who are advocating the Republican Party in America, they're saying that it's time for Trump to go. Trump is more hurtful than helpful. And therefore, Senator Rob Portman is better than Donald Trump. Now, here's the question. Here's the question for you. Does Trump's immoral past affect the morality of the nation? Or does Rob Portman's enthusiastic endorsement of homosexuality affect the morality of the nation or immorality of the nation? Either way, that's the question. And I think we need to step back before we just grab a conservative magazine like this and just believe everything they're saying. I think we need to step back and ask ourselves, which is worse, Trump's immoral past affecting the morality of this nation in some way, shape or form, or Rob Portman's enthusiastic endorsement of homosexuality, which will affect the nation more so to the negative. I think that's the question for us, Steve. I would agree. And, uh, you know, what, what's interesting is that the, the logic just doesn't quite follow. I don't think if you're, you're saying that, uh, Donald Trump is a drag on the morality of this nation. Well, then whose morality, you know, what, what are you, what is your foundation? What's your basis of what's moral and what's not moral is homosexual marriage or homosexuality in general. Is that something that's immoral? Now, if we take a look at what the Bible says, the Bible would say that it is, that it is totally immoral. In fact, in not only in the old covenant, but also in you know, 1 Corinthians 6, that somebody who is a homosexual, an active homosexual, would not inherit the kingdom of God, but such were some of you, so people can come out of that. And and so, you know, also abortion, I would say that that is totally immoral. And so if you're pushing for that, if you're okay with that, and you are a leader in the party, then I would say that you are going to have a negative, a net negative effect on the United States or in the world even. Trump's immoral past affecting the morality of the nation. Rob Portman's enthusiastic endorsement of homosexuality affecting the morality of the nation. You know, Steve, it's hard for me to answer the question. Both are bad. We need to say that from the outset. Both are bad. Okay, they're bad. But it seems to me that public policy has a stronger lasting effect in the long run, than one man's example. So if you were to force me hard on the question, I would say Rob Portman is still more dangerous for the country. So I'm, I'm not big either on this make America great or make America proud again, or make gay proud again, either way. This loud and proud thing is bad. The, the gay pride thing's bad too. Two different things going on, you know. Uh, but it turns <laughs> out that you know, this enthusiastic endorsement of homosexuality and this hesitation 
to stop abortion on the part of Senator Portman seems to me to indicate that this man has no fear of God. And and he he doesn't understand the thing that would destroy the nation is, is not so much one man's sin as the enthusiastic endorsement of the killing of children and sexual perversion. These were the things that destroyed nations in the Old Testament. And they certainly have the potential to destroy nations in the New Testament era as well. Now, here's one other argument I want to throw out uh, just for what it's worth. I think this is interesting. Trump appealed to American populism. And these guys actually saw that as a kind of a good thing. Now, again, this to me indicates that we're not measuring anything by the laws of God. That is, the ethics of Washington Examiner, Senator Bob Portman, and pretty much the whole nation are not being measured by the standard of God's law anymore. So that, that's a problem. <laughs> that means we're just all thrown out into a field of relativism, and it's just, you know, one person yelling heretic louder than the other. And the guy who yells heretic the loudest wins. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much the way ethics work today. I'm sorry, but that's just the way it works. Yeah. Uh, because God's law has been utterly decimated in the churches and, and of course, not appealed to at all. Uh, by the political institutions of the day, with maybe the exception of a Supreme Court justice in Alabama some 20 years ago. All right, so now I want to talk about populism for a moment, Steve. Let's, let's just talk about populism. Turns out populism is a theory that the elite are bad and the rest of the populace are good. Okay. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's right. Okay. <laughs> how, how do we deal with that? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's... You know, when I say that, you say, well, that's kind of simplistic, right? Yeah. You'd say that that's kind of a simplistic way of thinking about things. Yeah, I, I would say that, that that is a very simplistic way of seeing things. And I, I think to, to, to interpret things this way, and this is the way, of course, people do, um, is, is to give way to deception. There's a distinct lack of clarity in the idea of populism. Sometimes there's a touch of class envy involved with it. You know, as, as in, uh, the, these are the rich. And the rich are to be suspected. Sometimes there's an assumption that the elite and the educated got to where they are by graft, by theft, by dishonesty, and oftentimes by racism. You recognize that, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's only the conservatives that got to the top by that. It's not the right, right. Not the liberals. It's not the left. Yeah. yeah. Not so much Jesse Jackson or <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Bill Gates or some of the more lefty lefties yeah. of the Hollywood ilk and so forth. Okay. Yeah. But now here's, here's a couple of verses that I'd throw out, friends, as we think about these things. Proverbs 30 and verse 21 says, three, For three things the earth is perturbed. Yes, for four it cannot bear up. For a servant when he reigns, a fool when he's filled with food. Now, Proverbs 19 verse 10 brings the same thing out. Luxury is not fitting for a fool, much less for a servant to rule over princes. Which means that the Bible doesn't present some kind of an egalitarian view of money and power, that there needs to be a redistribution of wealth. Rather, the Bible views that it's a degree of character involved in making money, spending money, investing money, being responsible for the money. That is, those who are faithful with one talent will be given more talents. So, But if you haven't proven yourself to be faithful as a poor man with one talent, you probably are not going to be given 10 talents. So this principle is in Old and New Testaments. But the, the idea that 
you know, the elite and those that have a little bit more wherewithal are inherently evil and the rest of us are inherently good is the kind of thing that destroys democracies over time. It's a revolutionary form of thinking. To come to the conclusion that every rich person or every elite person is evil because they are elite and they happen to have some money and some power is itself deceptive thinking. It's just way too simplistic to say the establishment is all bad. But I found a guy who has had 10 wives and 18 girlfriends and he's driven his company into bankruptcy 30 times. He's going to be way better than the whole establishment. Let's let's overturn the whole government and bring our guy in because he's the best guy to overturn the establishment. Now, as as you know, that's that's an exaggeration. But I just mm-hmm. present this as a scenario so we understand the principle. This kind of thinking is simplistic and probably self-deceiving. The banana republics are very good at turning over one bad dictator for another bad dictator. And when the character of a nation is undermined, we are left with replacing one bad apple with another bad apple. And Steve, I think we're very close to that position right now in this country. (laughs) Yeah. But what really bothers me about you know, you know, any side of the issue here is that what politicians typically are looking for is not what I should believe in. I, I, it's, it's not that I don't hold to that as something that is a fundamental belief, fundamental principle, but I'll make, I'll change my mind on major things if I think I can get elected through that. And so all they're looking for is staying in power, being electable. And so even if I held to it one time that abortion was wrong, I'm going to say that it's okay now so that I can get more people to vote for me so I can retain my power. People need to stand on principles. People need to stand upon God's word and stay there whether they get elected or not. So pragmatism is willing to change a position or just every single principle if we can achieve some support from some 51% of the electorate, whether they be the populists, whether they be the welfareites, whether they be the socialists, whoever they are, uh, we're willing to compromise our principles, which you know ultimately people don't have very many principles of any left, but we're willing to, yeah. in a pragmatic way, compromise away every principle in order to achieve that power and uh, and to get elected into that position. Politics is pretty superficial overall. People tend to vote for candidates for dumb reasons <laughs> on the basis of superficial impressions. I mean, it's just the way politics works. Yeah. If they're all worked up enough against the establishment, then they'll vote for an anti-establishmentarianists. But who knows what this guy will turn out to be? Nobody really cares. At least he talks like he doesn't like the establishment. And so, boy, He's got to be good. Now, again, that's simplistic thinking, but that's the way most people vote. If they're all worked up against inflation, they'll vote against the guy who happens to be president at the time, not because he was the cause of the inflation, but because they're just irritated. If they're worked up enough against rich people, they'll vote against the party that seemed to have the most support from rich people. It's all very superficial, very unprincipled, and very random. And so in the end, what are we saying? In the end, God is sovereign. God is in control of human sentiments. And uh, God stuffs the ballot boxes. God determines the whole uh, outcome of the tossing of the dice. God determines who will be president, who will run the country. Now, don't get me wrong. uh, People who peel off into the Democrat Party usually do so because they think they're taking the higher moral ground and helping the poor by redistributing money and caring for the environment and helping women to be independent of men by allowing them to kill their babies. Okay, that's just a moral facade, obviously. 
So they take on a moral facade, but there's a, a, a huge moral high ground they feel that they're taking, and they believe they're extremely moral people by participating with the Democrat Party. Anti-establishment populists think they're taking the higher moral ground by opposing a rather nebulous elite group or the establishment who are very powerful and tyrannical. Their leaders usually wind up spending even more of the people's money, getting the people into way more debt and paving the way for even more tyranny. Uh, That's what happened in the Trump years. The anti-immigration people think that they're taking the higher moral ground by keeping the riffraff out of the country as if that would solve the nation's moral problems in the public schools, the nation's moral problems in Hollywood, the nation's moral problems with abortion, sexual perversion, everything else that's destroying the nation. If we just keep the immigrants out, that'll fix everything. And somehow this wonderful nation will remain wonderful if we just keep the immigrants out. So there's a moral facade for everybody. But as Christians, we must return to biblical principle as the standard for morality, as what Steve said just a few minutes ago. So, Number one, repent ourselves of our lack of fearing God, loving God, obeying God. These are the basic issues. We get down to foundational issues. We don't care about these tertiary things as much. We want to go right to core issues. We don't want to be these superficial flakes that take the higher moral ground on stupid issues. Rather, repent ourselves of the lack of fearing God, loving God, obeying God. And we not build, we ought to build our faithful, godly families and marriages and take care of the orphan and widow in our own backyard, build godly diaconates in our church so we don't have to turn our widows over to the government for Social Security or their euthanasia program in 2034. Uh, we don't want to use abortifacients. We don't want to use pornography. We repent of all of that and live the selfless life of Christ. We, we believe in Jesus, receive his salvation, repent of our sins, and then deny ourselves, take up the cross daily and follow him. That's the Christian way. We don't solve our problems primarily politically. Our problems are solved primarily at the cross of Jesus Christ. And also remember when it comes to politics, some sins are way more egregious in the sight of God than others. And so you just have to read God's law. You have to be rooted and grounded in the principles of God's law to understand what are the substantial issues when it comes to politics. Immigration is hardly an issue. In fact, in many cases, the scriptures say you treat the immigrant well. But killing innocent babies by the millions, sexual perversion advocated by Senator Rob Portman, these are the reasons why God brings judgments down upon nations. We also need to be honest and not hide behind empty rhetoric. If a Republican increases the size of government by increasing the budget beyond his Democrat predecessors, more government funding will equal more government power and more government tyranny. Let's just be honest about these things. As Christians, we want to be honest. As Christians, we want to be more principled. And by the way, we don't operate on paranoia, far-fetched theories with zero substantiation, sketchy sources, anarchical impulses. We don't deal in blurry, vague propositions. We deal in the truth. And define wrong and injustice by God's law, not man's laws, or what I feel is right or fair. We don't waste our time with opposition to some vague notion of an establishment. We're extremely cautious about evil suspicions as just another demonic ruse. First Timothy 6 verse 3 says, be careful. If anybody does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, knows nothing. He's obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain, etc. So we need to know who the enemy is. Some faceless establishment out there? No, no, no. We know the enemy. It's the devil. He attempts men and women to not love God, to not worship God, not to reverence God. 
He tempts men and women to break God's commandments. He leads us away from the word of God as the standard of truth into a labyrinth of crazy theories about the world. He tempts us to think that the devil is in control or only man can solve man's problems. He undermines our belief in the sovereignty of God. Okay, so friends, that's a Christian approach to the problems of the world. And let's not give way to this nebulous, uh, flaky, obscure, blurry view of the world and ethics, which is what's presented to us by the conservatives and the liberals in probably every nation around the world today. I hope that's helped to clear things up for you somewhat. Friends, I'd encourage you to our book on politics. It's called The Story of Freedom. It's called The Story of Freedom. It gets down to the basic Christian view of freedom and how over the last thousand years, God has brought an amazing blessing of freedom into the Western world. The Story of Freedom is available at generations.org. I'd encourage you to get that for your, your kids or your grandkids. Make a great Christmas present. It's called The Story of Freedom. It's an exciting story. Lots of interesting accounts of how Christians have brought about the most amazing political freedoms in the Western world over the last thousand years or so. Of course, we're losing it now, but we have a heritage. Read the heritage in the story of freedom available at generations.org. This is Kevin Swanson inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.